This week's Sicha and Parshas Vayera um, discusses the idea that we all have within us a very deep inner knowing of what is true, of what is divine, what is right, what is holy. And then there's also there are the levels which come from our animal soul, our body, and uh, the, us getting caught up in the delusion of the world that we live in um, as being that which carries you know, power and value that um, creates a coarseness that covers up on the inherent knowing that we have. And sometimes the only way to get to the light that lies deep within us is by, by taking part, dismantling, um, or crushing even, the coarseness that is in the way of the light that lies within us. That is the uh, theme of the of this sicha. And it's built on the verse that in this week's Torah portion, which says, that Avraham, he, according to one explanation in Rashi, he it literally means that he planted a tree. But uh, what significance is that? So Rashi says that he pla- that he established an, an inn, according to one explanation, in Be'er Sheva, a, a city that stands until today. And he called in the name of God, the God of the world. In other words, he 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 um he would call out over there. That God is the God of the world. We know that Avram was the one who, um, who, who, who established monotheism in the world. Now, the Talmud says something which we find uh, numerous times, that we should read the word in the Torah differently than it's actually written. So the Talmud says, Al tikra vayikra, don't read. Vayikra, and he, Abraham, Avraham, called in the name of God. Ela vayakri. Vayakri means he made others call. That's what the Talmud says. Now, if the Talmud says this, there's something compelling you to say to say this. Now, one of the commentators on the Talmud explains that the reason why the Talmud is compelled to say this is because what association is there between him establishing an inn and calling in the name of God? Why suddenly here, after right, right after the Torah tells us he he, uh, he established an inn, it starts telling us that he called in the name of God? What is the association? So the Talmud says it must be that he used the inn as a means. Of calling in the of having others call in the name of God, so therefore don't read the Vayikra El Vayakri, and and in fact that's exactly what the Midrash tells us that when people would come to the inn, he would offer them a delicious meal in the middle of a desert, and which was very hard to find, and they would enjoy a delicious meal. When they were done with the meal, they would get up and they would bless Avram and say, Avram, uh, thank you for this delicious meal. And he would say, you think, you think you're eating my food? You're not eating my food. There's a creator to the universe. And he's the one who supplies us with all of our raw materials. That's how you have the food. Bless God. And he would teach them how to bless God. Now, what would happen, the Midrash says, if someone didn't want to uh, bless God? They say, well, what are you talking about? They, they, they didn't connect with the idea and the uh, compelling arguments um, that Avra made to them that there is a God, there's a creator to the universe, there's one who provides us with the food. So you would say, that's fine, don't, you don't have to bless God, but if you don't bless God, you have to pay me for the meal. And a meal in the desert is quite expensive, especially a fine meal like I gave you with good meat and, 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 and aged wine. So the moment he charged them a big bill, what did the, the, the minister says that they suddenly agreed to, to bless God, and they would say, Blessed is the creator of the world, um, of whose food we have eaten. So it appears 
that when when uh, when people were not convinced with Avram's uh, um, compelling points that there was a God, that he would they were co- he coerced them. He sort of forced them into uh, he you know he compelled them to 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 bless God, but it wasn't from their heart. And um, now, if we were talking about um, the, the, the people that agree that agreed with him that there's a God to the world and they bless God, in fact, he accomplished his mission of these people genuinely thanking genuinely thanking God. But the people who who were coerced, what was he accomplishing by? You know, saying, giving them a big bill, say to save a few dollars. They said, "Okay, well, we 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 uh, will bless God." Now, if we were talking about Jews, again, the Jewish people, Avram himself was the first Jew. The people he was meeting were not Jews. They were, we would call them Noahides, Bnei Noach, um, or or simply put, Gentiles. So, if we were talking about Jews, we know there's a concept that the Rambam teaches us, and the Rebbe, in fact, uh, mentions uh, often that that when you force a Jew to do a mitzvah, even though they're being forced to do the mitzvah, but their inner neshama is always aligned with what God wants and really does want to do what God wants. So there is a part of them that is aligned with what they are doing. And therefore, even though it appears as if they're being forced, there's a part of them that's fully aligned with what they're doing. And he and, and the Rama brings this down in, 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 in relation to halacha, to Jewish law. That when a Jew has to do something where they have to willingly do it, if you force them to do it, and ultimately they say, I want to do it, but they're saying, I want to do it because they're being forced, we still consider it as if it's they genuinely want to do it because we know that their inner being, in fact, does want to do it. However, that's true for a Jew. Um, and the reason by a Jew that we consider them wanting to do it, even though they're being forced, is because the forcing is what the forcing is doing is it is actually. Um, it's, it's dismantling, as I said in the introduction, the external facade um, and coarseness that puts them out of touch with their inner self that always wants to be aligned with God, which is our divine soul, which is a piece of God. So therefore, the forcing is simply breaking down the obstacles so that they can get in touch, at least in some way, with their inner self. And this way, do what their inner self, in fact, wants, which is always to be aligned with God. However, this is only true for this is only true for a Jew, but a Gentile does not have this pure divine soul. We um, a Gentile has a soul which is either from klipa or klipas noiga, which I'm not going to explain now. You may or may be or may not be familiar with it. But even when we talk about righteous Gentiles, their 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 soul has an aspect of God, but it's not a purely divine soul. So they don't have this inner self that necessarily is always aligned with God. So, one commentator comments and says, the Yifei says that Avram did this to fulfill his duty. He has the responsibilities. He said, I'm doing my duty. The outcome is not my business. So I'm doing my duty to get people to praise God. And whether they mean it or don't mean it is not my business. And if they don't mean it, that's their dishonesty with God. So the Rebbe um, poses two questions on this approach. By firstly saying, what's Avram accomplishing by getting people to dishonestly acknowledge God? That the, what, what, what purpose does that accomplish, number one? And number two is, it's difficult to say that Avram was doing this just to fulfill his duty, to, to fulfill his obligation that God wants from him. Why? Because the Medjush, in fact, says that Hashem said to Avram, I consider you to be my partner in creation because my name was not recognized by, 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 the, by human beings. 
They were all worshiping idols. And because of you, now I'm being recognized by human beings. So we see that Hashem saw his effort as having been effective. So if, the, if he was coercing people into blessing God, clearly there was some effectiveness to that. It wasn't just him trying to fulfill his duty. Um, so in order to understand all of this, we, uh, we need to revisit another biblical story, a story in the Torah, which takes place later on when the Jewish people already established as a Jewish people, and we received the Torah and we're in the desert, and we want to conquer the land of Israel, which was the intention after we left Egypt. We go to Sinai, Mount Sinai, we receive the Torah, and then we go straight to Israel. However, the Jewish people wanted to send in spies to spy out the land first to see if they can conquer the land of Israel, or, or really to see how to conquer the land of Israel. It was a real mission. But they came back, and they didn't just say how to conquer the land, but they also assessed whether they can conquer the land, and they decided that they cannot. They decided that even God cannot, which is a, a, a terrible thought. And um, so, so God spoke to so Moshe asked God to forgive the Jewish people. God said, "I'm going to forgive them, but this generation is not going to go into the land of Israel." So Moshe comes back to the Jewish people and tells them the, the outcome of, of of their behavior that because they decided they can't conquer the land of Israel, God said that they're all going to die in the desert, and their children are the ones who are going to go and conquer the land of Israel, which is in fact what happened. But what's something that's very strange, which the Alter Rebbe writes and discusses in the Book of Tanya, is that. They made a very calculated and thought-out uh, decision that they cannot conquer the land of Israel. It wasn't just a, a, a quick, flippant decision. It was well thought out, and they argued it with Moshe for a few hours before Moshe went to God. So suddenly, the Torah tells us that the moment Moshe told them the results of their um, the, the results of the ramifications of their of their deciding not to conquer the land of Israel, they immediately had regret. They mourned the whole night, and the next day they said, "Let's go and conquer the land right now." And you have to wonder, what changed? They're the same people. All that changed was they found out the news from, uh, from Moshe. They're going to be in the desert for 40, 40 years. But that's where they wanted to stay. They, they just finished arguing that they can't conquer the land. They should stay in the desert. So what suddenly changed? What changed, Dalt Rebbe explains, is that the Moshe's uh, words of harshness, which were really the words from God, of, of how God was so bothered by what they did, uh, and felt that was so, what they did was so significantly negative that God said that you're, um, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to go into the land of Israel. That shattered the exterior, that, that, that barrier of coarseness that they developed over themselves not to be in touch with the will of God. And through that, through that shattering that woke them up to their inner being, and suddenly in a moment they were aligned with God again. Which is very fascinating. It's sort of like a crisis, what a crisis sometimes does to someone. That we, we should never need such a thing and never be, have any crisis in our life. But that's what a crisis very often does to people. And, and that was the story. And, and, and this also explains a Mishnah that we have in Ethics of Our Fathers in Pirkei Elvis. The Mishnah says, Kol yem v'yem, every day, um, there's a baskal, there's a voice. A baskal is a phrase for a, a voice from heaven that sounds, uh, which is not necessarily a physical sound, but it's a reverberating um, um, spiritual energy that flows through the universe and reverberates and, and, and touches us, uh, at least unconsciously, um, uh, typically unconsciously, if not, um, not, not really consciously. And it's called a bas, called a voice from heaven, and says, Woe to the brios. Brios is a word for creatures who insult the Torah. They insult the Torah by not studying Torah. And, 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 and the Mishnah says, a one who doesn't study Torah is called rebuked. They have a status of being rebuked by the divine. 
which is a, a, a harsh thing. Um, to be rebuked, to be uh, have a status of having been rebuked by God. So this Mishnah um, is unusual because in general, if we want to inspire someone towards to, to do something positive, you show them the beauty of it. You show them the value of it. You, you show them how it, how, how it serves them and benefits them. And a person will be inspired to do it. But um, here the Mishnah is speaking very harshly. That woe is to those who insult the Torah and they are considered rebuked. It's like, sh- give us some positivity, some benefits, some light here. Don't just uh, y- y- um, just yell at someone that you, you, you insult the Torah and you're rebuked. Is that the way to inspire someone? But we notice that the Mishnah uses the word brios. Brios means creatures. And, and, and uh, uh, as the Al-Tarabba also explains in Tanya, when we find this phrase, this terminology or phraseology of brios, Brios actually refers to a person who's not a very spiritually developed person. And therefore, the, 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 the virtue that we find in them is that they are creation of God. We don't actually find a, a, a virtue that they have developed on their own. And so they're still at the level of a Bria, simply a, a, a creation of God. It's a way of telling us that this person is, a very, is on a very low spiritual level. When someone's on such a low spiritual level, then then showing them light, showing them benefit doesn't even speak to them. Their spirituality, their, their spiritual or divine self is so, they are so out of touch with it that, that showing them the benefit doesn't, doesn't speak to them. So what they really need is they need something that's going to actually dismantle their coarseness. That, um, that detachment that they actually have from the divine and that's what this Mishnah is telling us happens. Because being that every Jew has a divine soul, a nefesh kiss we call it, a divine soul, a piece of God, literally a piece of God within us, that's our divine soul. We also carry with us the valuable treasure of inherent faith in God and love for God. And there's, it's inherent to every single, to every single Jew. And nor, for a person who's somewhat spiritually developed, even somewhat, you can somehow communicate with that part of the person and in that way bring out from within the person the desire to connect with Torah because that would reveal their person's true inner self. But that's only true for someone who's on a level that's higher than the status of Bria, of a creature, of just simply a creature. We reveal their inner self. But someone who's on the status of a creature, we need to shatter their coarseness. And how do we shatter the coarseness? Also with a spiritual message. We still... Can, which is that you are an insult, you are insulting the Torah, and therefore you have a status, for, a status of rebuked. And when a person hears that by the creator of all, that I am rebuked, that, uh, that can uh, you know, shake a person, and that awakens them, that, 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 that shatters their, their uh, complacency, if you will, and awakens them up to their inner self, to their inner self, which is the part which is always aligned with God and wants to be attached to God, and then they begin to, in fact, study Torah. Now, even this um, uh, approach of using harsh words, condemning words, um, which is a spiritual message as well, but it's condemning words in order to awaken the inner truth of a person, of a Jew, even this is only uh, for one that can be awakened um, by being rebuked by a spiritual message. 
but one who is even more coarse than that, they even that actually won't, even that actually won't speak to them. And what they need is a direct message to their animalistic self, their self, uh, um, with explicit language, as again, the Alter Rebbe mentions in Tanya, um, telling the, 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 animal, uh, the, the animalistic side of ourselves that, I am dis- that it is disgusting and despicable and, and, a, and a barrier to connecting with God. So there are different levels of communicating and, and awakening the inner self within the person. And, and, and what we're discussing over here, there are three ways. One way is enlightening someone, showing them that this is beautiful. Another way is by uh, um, rebuking someone, giving someone harsh words so that they can awaken within themselves their, their divine inner truth. And the third is um, not just rebuking with a spiritual message, but actually explicitly uh, stating that this person, the way they are living and what they are living out of, which is the coarseness of the shallow world without with total disconnection to the divine, that is disgusting and despicable. Now, we find actually a fascinating story in the Talmud that actually is an expression of this. There was a, we, we know there was a great Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, known as the Rashbi. He was an extremely, extremely uh, holy man, the uh, author of the Zohar. And he had a son who was uh, also of, a, of enormous, enormous stature. His name was Rabbi Elazar. Rabbi Elazar bar Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Elazar the son of Rabbi Shimon. And the Talmud tells us an unusual story that one day... Um, he, 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 was, um, he saw an individual, and this individual was, um, his, uh, his features, his physical features were, were, were um, violating, they were very ugly. So when he saw this man, he said something that was, that's quite shocking, that's something none of us would ever say to someone. He said, Reka, empty one, he turned to this person. How, how ugly and disgusting are you? Are all the people in your city so ugly? So that's what he said. And the man responded. He said, I don't know, but go tell this to the creator who formed me. Um, Go tell him how ugly is this vessel that you created. That was a harsh response. The man came back to Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon. Now, did Rabbi Lazar not know that a body is formed by man? This man didn't choose how his body looks. That's God formed it. Rabbi Lazar didn't know that. He was, he was an enormous uh, uh, scholar, a great Kabbalist, a great mystic. And also, how could a man um, like Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, who was such a, such a, one of the greatest scholars of his time and most uh, pious of his time, say such harsh words to somebody? But the, the, the story actually is that he was not referring to the person's physical ugliness, but he was referring to the person's, to this man's spiritual ugliness. And he saw that this person was on such a level that he wasn't even on the level of Bria, of, 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 of a creature, of recognizing that he's a creature of the divine. So therefore, even a spiritual message of rebuke would not be enough for this person. So the only way he sought to get through to this person to become aware of God is by shattering his coarseness. And therefore, he used very harsh terms um, to this man. And in fact, we see what was the immediate result after he did. The man immediately said, Go to the craftsman who made me, which is, of course, he was referring to God. So that means the man immediately began to use language identifying God, and not only identifying God, but identifying that I am a creation of God, 
which puts him in touch then, if I am a creation of God, it puts me in touch with my responsibility to live up to the purpose for which God created me, because I was created by somebody. God created me, so therefore I have a responsibility to live up to. So in this, in this harshness, Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Shimon actually woke this man up to the awareness of God, and more than just the awareness of God, that God created me, and therefore I'm created with a purpose. And we find another interesting Hasidic story with the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab was the fifth Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and uh, when he was uh, still uh, um, at, uh, in the earlier years of his leadership, um, a Hasid came to him, a follower of his came to him, and he, uh, he had something very serious, a very serious matter that he needed a blessing for. And he came to the Rebbe Rashab and asked him for a bracha. And the Rebbe Rashab said, I can't help you, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't help you and give you a bracha. So when the man heard this, he walked out of the Rebbe Rashab's uh, room and he broke down into bitter, bitter tears because it was a real crisis apparently for him. And, and this was, he, he, he didn't know what to do and he was hoping his Rebbe would give him a blessing and, that, and intercede on high for him and that would help him. And the Rebbe turned him down and said, I can't help. So he was terribly de- devastated. He was, he was at a complete loss. The Rebbe Rashab had an older brother who was known as the Raza, Reb Zalman Aaron. And Reb Zalman Aaron came and saw this man weeping. And he says, why are you crying? Why are you crying so bitterly? So he said, I have a very serious matter going on in my life. I came to the Rebbe, your brother, for a bracha. And he told me he can't help me. So the Raza went to his younger brother. And he said... What type of behavior is this? A Rebbe tells a chassid, I can't help you? Like, uh, you, you abandon a, your, your follower like that? You just, uh, you just dismiss him? So the Rebbe Rashab put his garotel on, as a Rebbe um, always does when, he, uh, when a chassid comes to him for a private audience, and he, he called for the man to come back to him. When the man came back to him, the Rebbe Rashab gave him a bracha this time. And in fact, the blessing was fulfilled uh, in the man's actual life. So he was, uh, his, his, his crisis, his serious matter was resolved. What's behind this story? What's behind this story is this, when the first, when the man, when this chassid, the follower originally came to the Rebbe Rashab, the Rebbe Rashab didn't dismiss him. The Rebbe Rashab saw that this man was not even in a condition to be able to receive a blessing that he would give him. One has to be fit to receive. We call it a keli, he has to be a vessel. You have to be fit to be able to receive a blessing. If you're not fit to receive a blessing, then a blessing doesn't help. So he told him, I can't help you. When the man went out of the Rebbe Rashab's room and he was crushed and he cried bitter tears to God, that woke him up. It broke through the coarseness um, that kept him out of touch with his inner divine being. And it broke through the coarseness and woke him up. And now he became a keli, a vessel, to be able to receive a blessing. So when, the, when, the, when his brother told him that the man's crying bitter tears and you, because you just dismissed him, Rabbi Shab understood that he was now ready for a blessing and he called him back and he gave him the blessing. So we see many examples of, of, um, of this reality that there is a coarseness that is what sometimes dulls our, 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 our conscious feeling of our divine self. And sometimes we have to simply break that cor- that coarseness, which is which again is just a topic that the Alter Rebbe speaks about in Tanya. So now this form of shattering. Now we are talking in, in the entire time about shattering the coarseness of a Jew so that they get in touch with their divine soul. A a a, a Gentile doesn't have the divine soul of the, which is the Jewish soul. They have divinity within them, which is within their 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 their. their um, natural soul or their animal soul 
um, because klipas noiga has, noiga means the light of God. It has the light of God in it, but they don't have a pure divine soul. But this form of shattering is affected by for a Gentile as well. By a Jew, even at the time that the Jew is sinning, there is a part of him that's always aligned with God. It, that wants to be one with Hashem. Even while he's sinning, his divine soul still doesn't want to be a part of well, this sinning. So all that's needed is a shattering of the external self of the Jew, which is our animalistic self, to get in touch with our internal self. But by a Gentile, um, the shattering opens up a possibility to reach the spirituality that is available to a Gentile. And we know that there are Hasidei Umas righteous Gentiles of the world. They're righteous because they get in touch with the divine within their natural soul. And, and, and therefore, when we create a shattering for a Gentile, to shatter also their perception of a, of, of a world or a God that doesn't, a, a world or a, um, you know, reality that doesn't have a God. When we shatter that, we awaken them to the divinity that is within them and, and um, they recognize God. So Avram helped the Gentiles recognize God. When he saw a Gentile who was very coarse, Meaning, how do you know the gentle is very coarse? Because after having a thorough conversations with him about how everything came to be and demonstrating there's a God, this person still couldn't hear that message. So many many Gentiles heard the message because they had less of a blockage. They were less coarse. And therefore, they blessed God after the meal. But others refused. So they said, no, what are you talking about? So it was only through a form of coercion and of financial pressure that shattered their coarseness and help them see somewhat, whatever extent it was, that there is a God. And in fact, Abraham's explanations are true. And we all know this, in fact, because we all know that we're all, we all have biases towards things. It's very hard for us to see things honestly, fully honestly. And, and we all know that the moment there is some form of a benefit, that is a bias to help us think in a certain direction. Sometimes it's a bias to help us think in the true direction. And that's what Avram did. Avram gave them a, 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 the ability now to be biased towards the truth. And this way they were able to see the truth, at least on whatever level they were, they were, they were seeing it. From all of this, we learn an unbelievable lesson the Rabbi says. That the deeds of our forefathers are a signposts for his children. That we are supposed to look at the, uh, all of the stories the Torah tells us about Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Sarifka, Rachel, and Leah, and learn from them because they actually molded the DNA, the spiritual DNA of the Jew. And that is to spread awareness of God like Avram did, that we have a mission, which is really our mission, in the, of the mission of the Jewish people in the world. To be a light unto the nations means to, to, means to bring the light of God to the entire world, to make the entire world aware of God. Not just those who are in our home, but to do what Avram did. Avram went out to those who were walking or traveling by and would call them in. That we have to go out of our own homes and reach out to people to make them aware of God. And even if it takes feeding and drinking them, Avram would serve them meals, to serve people meals. And even if that's not enough, to, to use appropriate pressure, pressure or coercion, or coercion. And as the Rebbe says, very important, that it has to be according to the guidelines of the Torah. And the guidelines of the Torah are always in, in, a, in a pleasant and peaceful manner. So even the coercion, if we're going to use a form of coercion, it has to be one that is, that is peaceful. Uh, so for example, um, 
when we, uh, if we ask a fellow Jew to put on tefillin, sometimes the reason why they're putting it on is because they feel bad to tell us no. Or sometimes they say, I don't want to, I, I, I know I'd rather not. And we tell them, do it for me. Do it for me as a favor for me. So they do it. It's a coercion. They're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because uh, we're, we're begging them to do it. That is a, a form of coercion, which is B'dar Chinoim or B'dar Chishalom. And if one says, but what are you accomplishing? He's doing it unwillingly. He's doing it to get rid of you. He's doing it to get you off his back. Is he going to be different tomorrow? He's going to be leading a different life. So you know how we tell someone who says that? We tell them the story of Avram. Look what Avram, the first Jew, did. He went to, he, not even, he wasn't even a Jew. He went to a Gentile. And he told the Gentile to bless God. And the Gentile did not want to bless God. And he told him, pay up for the meal then. And then the Gentile bless God. What did he accomplish? And then how is this person going to be tomorrow? But the reality is that we are actually doing a great favor to the person because we are actually dismantling the coarseness that surrounds an inner truth that lies within them. And in doing so, we are revealing this truth to the, to, to the greater world as well as we reveal it more and more within every, within every single person. So if this is true for, um, for, 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 for Avram with Gentiles, all the more so is it true for a fellow Jew after the giving of the Torah, when God instructs us and gives us so many mitzvahs to do, that we have the duty to, um, to, to, to help um, out of love, out of our great love to a fellow Jew, to help, uh, help them with breaking their coarseness so that they can get in touch with the inner truth that lies within them that they know of. And through this, we, we, uh, this will um, hurry and speed the coming of Mashiach because we know that when, when Mashiach comes, Umala Ha'aretz Deya Es Hashem, that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God, just like water covers a sea, so too the wisdom, the, the uh, knowledge of God will cover the world. So every time we get ourselves and others in touch with the, um, uh, the awareness of the existence of God, more and more, we are ushering in the era of Mashiach.